Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Studying the Bible and studying the Gospels is like looking into a mirror. Paul the Apostle said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul said, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. So looking into the Gospels is like looking into a mirror. Why? Because, listen, it reflects what is truly there. Like this morning, when you got up, you went into the bathroom, looked into the mirror, and you saw what was truly there. (laughs) What truly is there. And then you realize, I got to make some changes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you comb your hair, you put on some makeup, out of the PJs, into something you can wear in public. And the reason we do that is because we are concerned about how we look, because how we look reflects who we are. Well, listen, the same is true spiritually. We come to the mirror of God's word, and if we are honest, we will see that there needs to be a change. Well, in our text this morning, we look into the mirror at the true condition of our hearts. Very familiar text today and hoping that God will give us all a very fresh word in this very familiar text. Luke chapter 8. I better turn there myself. Luke chapter 8. And we pick up in verse 1. Saints, if you're looking at Luke 8 in verse 1, say amen. Amen. Now it came to pass. Okay, some of y'all ain't looking. Luke chapter 8, verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. That's a little better. And it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And a certain woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, that sicknesses, Mary, her name was, called Magdalene out of whom had come seven demons. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you've been with us in our study in the Gospel of Luke, you know, if you were here last week, you know that Jesus, we talked about uh, in chapter 7, that Jesus had been invited into the house of a wealthy Pharisee, and his name was Simon. And while Jesus is at dinner, 
a woman comes in and she is probably a prostitute. She came to Jesus weeping and her tears and, you know, the, the image is that the, her, her tears were so heavy that she soaked the feet of Jesus. And because she was a prostitute and prostitutes weren't accepted in that culture, they didn't offer her a towel to wipe Jesus' feet. So the woman got creative and she took her hair. And she knelt down and she began to wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair. And Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Now, it's after this, chapter 8, verse 1, that Jesus continued to be about the Father's business, preaching and teaching in villages and bringing the good news of the kingdom. And 12 were with him. And a certain woman named Mary Magdalene was with him. Mary, as the Bible tells us, was demon-possessed, and she is believed by many Bible scholars to be a prostitute as well. And she was delivered by Jesus, we know from the other Gospels. She was delivered by Jesus from these demons, and she served him for the rest of her life. Well, it was at that point that Jesus began to speak in parables. Look at verse four in chapter eight. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. Would you underline that word? A parable. A sower, Jesus says, went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground and sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then the disciples in verse 9, are you still with me? Then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest, it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. So Jesus begins to speak in parables. Let's talk about that. What is a parable? I like to say, if you're taking notes, a parable is a short little story with a great big meaning. It's a short little story with a great big meaning. Did you know that Jesus loved to preach in parables? As a matter of fact, one third of Jesus' teaching was in parables. The word parable is used 48 times in the New Testament. The word parable, if you're taking notes, comes from the Greek word parabole. It comes from actually two words. Para means to come alongside. And bole means to cast or to throw. A parable is a story or an illustration thrown alongside a biblical truth in order to illuminate the biblical truth. So if you have a biblical truth, are you listening? If you have an important truth that you want to teach in order to do do that, I would cast something next to it, a simple story that everybody knows. In other words, when you understand the simple story, you get the important truth. Now here I'm going to save you $40,000 from seminary. 
If you go to seminary, a story or an illustration thrown alongside an important biblical truth is called a window. Preachers call it a window. In other words, you construct a message, you construct a sermon, and you fill it with facts, you fill it with verses, and you fill it with study, and you got the frame of it, and then you cast in or you throw in a window, a story, an illustration. And when you put in that window, all of a sudden, the people just kind of get it. They understand what the preacher is saying. You can, and it's after you've built the house, mind you, that you put in the window. You don't want to put up the windows and then try to build the house. Oftentimes what we hear today from pulpits is people who are preaching from windows and not preaching from the word of God or from the constructed house. I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard where a illustration is used. And before you know it, they're preaching from the illustration versus or from the window versus preaching from the word of God. It's very important that you preach from the word of God. You use the windows to just kind of bring in some light. And it is true. If you're preaching the word of God and you don't have any windows, well, things can seem kind of dark and kind of boring. So you kind of you want to put in those windows, but you want to be careful not to overuse those windows. And certainly you want to be careful not to begin to preach from those windows. Jesus spoke in parables. Jesus used windows, if you will, illustrations or stories in order to illuminate a truth. Jesus, did you know this? Jesus was kind of like a right brain preacher. Jesus was a very common, his teaching style was very casual, very common. He preached in synagogues, but most of the time, as you study the scriptures, he preached in the open. Jesus wasn't stiff. Jesus wasn't very formal. You know, if you're kind of, if you're one of those kind of people that like, you know, the robes and the, the, the big high church and, and the big chair. Y'all notice we, I don't have the big chair. Anybody? Y'all know what I'm talking about, the big chair. And I don't have a big chair, and I, I, don't, I don't even own a robe. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I don't even own a robe, really. I mean, I, I actually I was, had to do a wedding some years ago, and they wanted me. This was a, a wedding in a, a really big church, and they had more flowers. I mean, you need a weed whacker to get in the front door. <laughs> they had more flowers. I've never seen as many flowers in this wedding. It was unbelievable. So, and they wanted me to wear a robe. And I'm like, well, I, I don't have a robe. They said, well, don't worry, we'll get you a robe. And I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, so I, they, I got the robe and, you know, I put, it was like, it was a nice, it was a very nice robe, as a matter of fact. And I have to say, I did look really good in it. And, um, <laughs> but I don't normally wear, <laughs> I don't normally wear robes, but if you're the, one of those kind of people who you really enjoy, like the robes and the formality, you probably wouldn't like Jesus' style. Don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with that. But we got to understand that Jesus was just a common preacher. Common people love to be around Jesus. Read the Bible. How many prostitutes would go and talk with Jesus? Prostitutes wouldn't go and talk with religious people, but they felt comfortable around Jesus. Because as I told you weeks past, I believe there was something in Jesus' eyes. When you looked into his eyes and he looked into your eyes, you were changed. And prostitutes felt comfortable to come to him and felt comfortable to be vulnerable to him. 
Jesus was approachable and Jesus was accessible. If you're taking notes, you write this down. He was accessible in royalty and approachable in deity. Accessible in royalty and approachable in deity. And many people came to Jesus. Jesus was just like a common preacher. Now, in this parable that we're going to read, there are three important elements. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, the seed. Number two, the sower. And finally, the soil. The seed, the sower, and the soil. Notice in verses four through eight, we just read it. Jesus began by saying a sower went out to sow his seed. Now keep in mind this window that Jesus is using, this story. You might also call it in seminary as they're teaching you how to prepare a sermon. They would call it an idiom. An idiom is something that is familiar to that particular culture. That everyone would understand. John chapter 15, they're walking with his, Jesus is walking with his disciples. And Jesus says to the disciples, guys, you see those vines and those grapes over there? And they, the disciples go, yeah, yeah. I get, they had the clueless voice, you know, yeah, yeah. And Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. That's an idiom. It's a cultural reference. And so Jesus is using another idiom, throwing in a window, a story, an illustration of a farmer or a sower who went out to sow. And again, in those days, very, very common. As a matter of fact, in these days, if you go to Israel, you will see a sower out sowing. What he would do is he would load up his donkey with, you know, one of those um, like donkey bags. I don't even know what you call it. I don't know what you, it's got like bags on a satchel. That's, that's it, a satchel on both sides and would put seed in them. He would get on the donkey, ride right out to the field. He'd have a leather bag strapped across his, uh, his chest and he would fill that bag with seed. And then he would walk through the fields and just kind of reach into his bag and grab a handful of seed and he would kind of broadcast or throw that seed and that seed would land in places where there were rocks. So as a sower would sow the seed, some of that seed fell on hardened area. So the seed was on the ground, but watch this, but it wasn't in the ground. And then sometimes the seed would fall among the weeds. This seed went in and down, but not up. Because as soon as the season changed, no rain, little sun, the seed doesn't have any depth and it dies. And then sometimes the seed fell among the thorns. The life of the seed was choked out of it. And then there was the seed that fell on good ground. We just read it that brings forth a hundredfold. Now, again, saints, if you look at verse 11, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But if you look at verse 11, it tells us the seed. Are you looking at verse 11? It tells us the seed is what? The word of God. Do you realize that the Bible interprets the Bible or scripture interprets scripture? You can interpret the Bible and not have a commentary, a Sean's concordance um, or any other thing. The Bible interprets the Bible. Here we have clearly the Bible telling us in this story, in this parable that the seed speaks of, represents, is symbolic of the word of God. Now, if you're taking notes, you can write this in your margin. Matthew 13, 37 tells us that the sower is the son of man. 
Jesus Christ came teaching and preaching and sowing the seed of the word of God. And we should be teaching and preaching and sowing seeds in the lives of others. Amen, saints. Now notice in verse 9 through 10. So the disciples, as usual, they didn't get it. Go ahead and look at it, 9 through 10. They didn't get it. So they finally said, Lord, we don't get it. What does this mean? What are you talking about? And Jesus said, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables. And then he quotes Isaiah 6, verse 9, seeing that they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, saints, give me your attention. Very important here. It's not Jesus' intention to hide the truth from the hearer. If Jesus wanted to hide the truth from the hearer, then he wouldn't say anything. You know, I've told you that Jesus is the greatest communicator who ever lived. And as a great communicator, any communicator, you want your audience to get it. You want your audience to understand it. I remember my pastor told me years ago, I will never forget this, 20 something years ago. He said, Rodney, as you're teaching the Bible, he said, put the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. In other words, bring it down. Any communicator should be able to communicate the word of God to children. Why? Because Jesus could. And if Jesus can preach to children and help children understand, how much more should we? So any communicator of the word of God should make the word of God simple enough. Are you listening? Should make the word of God simple enough or plain enough where the hearer understands it. And if the hearer does not understand it, listen, from where I stand, I can tell whether you're getting it or not. I can look at your face because when I say something and you're really not getting it, you kind of look like this. Okay, that would be like a little clue that you don't get it. And if that be the case, then it's for me as the communicator to rephrase it, to help you understand it. We've all heard preachers, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, preaching from pulpits and teaching the Bible, and and yet people are not getting it. And when they don't get it, the, the, the communicator stands and says to the people, oh, well, this is just really, really deep. You just don't get it, and, you know, you'll have to get that later because this is really deep and something God showed me. Listen, if the people aren't getting it, it's not the problem with the hearer. It's the problem with the communicator. If people aren't getting that, that amen was way too loud. That was, that, was, that was over the top. Y'all were like, yes, yes. If, if, if you're not getting it, then it's up to me to help you get it. Put the cookies on the shelf. Bring it down. Make it simple. You know, it was Warren Wiersbe, a great theologian, and I just learned this myself a couple days ago, and I love it. He's a great theologian. He once told a group of pastors, he says, remember, you're ministering to sheep and not giraffes. I love that. You're ministering to sheep and not giraffes. In other words, bring it down. So Jesus spoke in parables. Are you still with me? Jesus spoke in parables and he spoke in parables for two reasons. Number one, to reveal. Number two, to conceal. Number one, to reveal. Jesus spoke in parables to draw out those who wanted to know the meaning and to reveal it to them. And then secondly, Jesus spoke in parables to conceal the truth from those who had already hardened their hearts. You see, they would hear with their ears, but they wouldn't hear with their heart. 
Remember, we just read it in verse 8. Jesus said, he who has ears. Remember, he's talking to the multitude. Are you with me? Are you with me? He's talking to the multitude. And he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Well, of course they've got two ears. That's why he's talking to them. So he's not talking about those that have two ears between their heads, one on each side. He's talking about those who have an ear to hear with their hearts. In other words, they were listening, but they were not listening. Now, fellas, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Your wife will say, you are not hearing me. You're listening, but you're not hearing me. My wife and I, Elvira is her name, in case y'all don't know that. And she, when we are, let's just say, in the midst of loud fellowship, (laughs) the pastor and his wife have loud fellowship, okay? I'm being very vulnerable right now. So in the midst of loud fellowship, She'll say to me, you know what? You know what? You're listening, but you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. And I say to her, honey, I am hearing you. I'm hearing too much of you. That's kind of the problem here. I'm hearing too much of you. But the reason, that's what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, listen, the reason you weren't hearing is because you're not hearing with your heart. They decided to reject him and therefore they couldn't understand the mysteries of God. Now let's understand something, saints. A mystery in biblical terminology is not a mystery like an Alfred Hitchcock mystery or like a movie and it's a movie mystery. You know, we think of a mystery like that. That's not a mystery. In the Bible, listen, a mystery is something that was concealed in the Old Testament, but is now revealed in the New Testament. I'm going to say that again. It was concealed in the Old Testament and now is revealed in the New Testament. For example, we have Isaiah 53. Isaiah is writing, for he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and, by, by, and for, for our peace, for the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. When Isaiah the prophet was writing this down in Isaiah 53, Isaiah did not know who he was writing about. Isaiah's like, he was wounded for our transgressions. He who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised? Who was bruised? For our iniquities and our chastisement of our pieces upon him. Why? Isaiah didn't understand it. It was, he was being led. Can you imagine that happening? The scriptures are inspired by God. The Holy Spirit guiding the hand of Isaiah the prophet. And he's writing about things that he doesn't understand. It's concealed in the Old Testament. But we know in the New Testament, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, his blood, we are healed. We know that's talking about who? Who? It's very good. So what was hidden in the Old Testament or concealed in the Old Testament is now revealed in the New Testament. A parable is a mystery to those who refuse to see it. And that's why Jesus quoted Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. Look at verse 11 through 15. Look at verse 11. If you're looking at it, say amen. Now here in verse 11, Jesus actually explains the parable. Notice in verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
And those by the wayside in verse 12 are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be what? Saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. Now, the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they heard, they go out and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, they keep it and bear fruit with patience. Stop right there. Jesus, listen, is making it very clear. Saints, no guesswork here. The seed is the word of God. Now, the interesting thing is yesterday I'm doing some study on seeds. And the interesting thing about seeds is everything, watch this, you're going to love it. Everything about seeds or everything that is needed to bring forth fruit is already encoded in the seed. All it needs is to be planted in some soil. And once a seed, whether it be a fruit or a vegetable or whatever, once that seed is planted in some dirt, given a little water, given a little light, that seed has encoded in itself the information necessary to respond when it gets in the dirt. And then it begins to put down some roots and then it sends up a sprout toward the light. And all this happens when the seed is planted. Listen, the same is true of the word of God. Encoded within the Word of God is everything that is needed to produce life. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.